everybody, welcome to the X Report. I'm Reverend X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka somebody who I'm very interested to hear his thoughts on the latest release of the Madden ratings. How you doing today, Ethan? Yeah, I saw a tweet, I think after the first batch of ratings were put out, where it was like, do the people who, um, for the people who like create Madden, do they even watch the NFL? And to which I'm not, I'm not sure that they do, just because some of these ratings are pretty bad, but it's okay. We're going to talk about those as well as talk some of the other NFL released ratings by ESPN. And we're going to talk on the defensive side of that. We're also going to talk some Kirk Cousins and if this could be the breakout year that everyone has been waiting on. Um, moving on to the NBA, we are going to see if DeAndre Ayton is really happy to stay in Phoenix. And then we're going to play our game of believable buffoon or buffoonery. But we discuss if D Rose really is better all time than Damian Lillard. But before we get to any of that, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Now before we talk about the players who've just gotten signed, Let's send our adiosis to the recent NFL players who have announced their retirements. First off, cornerback Jason McCourty, who was retired after 13 years in the NFL. Offensive tackle Mitchell Schwartz is retiring after nine seasons. And Eddie Goldman has retired just 13 days after signing with the Atlanta Falcons, which Cam Jordan, defensive end for the Saints, joked about as one does. But let's talk about people who got some new money. First things first, tight end Kyle Rudolph is signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This move comes after the retirement of Rob Gronkowski. And then the big news of the day, Kyler Murray gets the bag from Arizona, signing a five-year, $230 million contract extension with $160 million fully guaranteed, keeping him in the desert until 2028 so ethan first things first how do you feel about this move and what how high do you think that kyla murray can go with these arizona cardinals Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Starting off on how high I think he can go with the Cardinals. I mean, unfortunately, the last of Kyler Murray that we saw was that horrific playoff game against the Rams. So I think that that's kind of soured people's opinion on him overall. I mean, you look at recent quarterback ratings, he's not ranked in a lot of people's top 10. He wouldn't be in my top 10 anyway, but I think that those recent games kind of hurt him a bit. But I mean, if you're Arizona, 
I would still take Kyler Murray over more than half of the other quarterbacks in this league. I mean, prior to his injury early in the season, he looked like an MVP caliber player. I mean, his teammates recognized his talent. Larry Fitzgerald recently talked about how much of a matchup nightmare he is for defenses. So even though I'm in agreement with you, I don't see them getting a Super Bowl out of Kyler Murray anytime soon. I think that their roster has some work to do. I think that he can at least lead you guys to the playoffs consistently, and it helps to stop you guys from having to deal with the issue of trying to go out there and find a new quarterback because, believe me, that's stressful. So, yeah, I feel you on that. And in terms of money, I'm in agreement with you. I think that when Deshaun Watson got that crazy deal, it kind of changed the market for guys like Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson in terms of how much money they will potentially ask for. And so since the Cardinals were able to get out of this deal without having to give $200 million fully guaranteed, especially to a quarterback who hasn't necessarily accomplished much, I think that that was a good signing on their part. But kind of talking about Lamar, let's be real. He's accomplished more than uh, Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson in his time in the NFL. So if Kyler Murray got 160 mil fully guaranteed, how much do you think Lamar is going to get? I don't think it's going to be anything less than 175. Oh, gosh, I hope it's not 200. I hope it's not 200. But, I mean, feasibly, he can ask for more than what Deshaun got because, like I said, he's accomplished more than Deshaun. But let's talk about some other accomplished players who, unfortunately, have not been able to figure out their contract status. This past Friday was the uh, deadline to sign contract extensions for players who were put on the franchise tag. Multiple different players were listed. But let's talk about three of the biggest ones. And we are going to decide if they, A, get traded, B, will play on the tag, or C, if they hold out ahead of the season. So let's start off with the biggest name, safety Jesse Bates, who it's been a lot of talk about his contract. Unfortunately, he and the Bengals were unable to come towards a deal. This is, what, the second year in a row that he seemed to be displeased with his contract. Joe Burrow has been on the uh, banging the drum for him to get paid. But it seems that the Bengals front office doesn't think so. So, Ethan, in your opinion, will he play on the tag, hold out, or get traded before the season starts? Yeah, I think you really hit it on the head. I mean, we've seen so many teams do this. The uh, Chiefs did this before Patrick Mahomes got his deal. The Bills are another team notorious for this. 
Baltimore has been trying to get that done as well before signing Lamar. So I think you really hit on the head. And honestly, I know Trey Hendrickson really balled out last year, had, what, 14 and a half sacks. But if you ask me, I do believe that Jesse Bates is the best defender in Cincinnati. And not having him on the field, I think, is going to have a really big impact on that defense. So personally, I think that if I'm the Bengals, I think you might just have to suck it up sign him, give him the money that he's looking for. But realistically, I think he does end up getting traded. It seems like they both sides are standing pat on their contract offers. And so because of that, I think that if you are the Bengals, you just drafted Daxton Hill out of Michigan. I'm not saying he's going to be Jesse Bates. But if you know you're not going to be able to bring him back or come to terms, you might as well trade Jesse Bates get and get as much for him as you can. All right, let's go ahead and move on to Orlando Brown, left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, another group pair who were unable to come towards a deal. Apparently, the Chiefs' final offer to Brown was a six-year, $139 million deal that included a $30.25 million signing bonus. Now, both teams are looking to figure out a deal after the season. So, in your opinion, Ethan, what do you think Orlando Brown does? Play on the tag, get traded, or hold out? Yeah, I think he will, too. And I mean, I think his biggest um, asterisk is like, just look at what happened when he wasn't there the season before in that Super Bowl, how Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. This year was very different, though. I don't think Orlando Brown played to the capacity of like a top three top five offensive tackle he still had a really good year overall and I think that if you are a team like the Chiefs and you have such a valuable quarterback you got to do whatever you can to make sure he stays upright so in my opinion I think he will end up playing on the tag and eventually they'll be able to work out a deal all right last one tight end Dalton Schultz last year was the first year he really got to see starting opportunities for the Dallas Cowboys they liked him so much they put him on the tag, but unfortunately it seems that they're unable to come to a deal. So what do you think happens with Dalton Shorts? Plays on the tag, gets traded, or holds out? I think he'll end up playing on the tag because I think he needs another year of playing really well before he gets the contract that he thinks he deserves. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, Dallas, if you look at their offense, if you had to pick a weakness, it would pretty much be tight end. And Dalton Schultz has been a really nice spot for them, especially after losing Jason Witten a couple years back. So they they're an offense that knows that they need tight ends and will spend the money if worthy. But all right, let's go ahead and look at some of these ESPN top 10 player 
uh, by position group ratings. Um, as you guys know, last week we focused on the offensive side of the ball, looking at quarterbacks, wideouts, and running backs. This year we're going to, I mean, this week we're going to turn it around and look at the defensive side, starting with defensive tackles. Number one, unsurprisingly, Aaron Donald, two, Jeffrey Simmons, three, Chris Jones, four, DeForest Buckner, five, Cam Hayward, six, Kenny Clark, seven, Vita Vea, eight, Eric Armstead, nine, Grady Jarrett, and 10, Jonathan Allen. You and I kind of talked about this a bit before the show um, off the air, but in your opinion, I know it's the homer in you. I believe you said that Jeffrey Simmons may be your favorite uh, Tennessee Titan, but in your opinion, do you think Jeff deserves that number two spot over other veterans? I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you, even though, I mean, I think he was, by based off last year's numbers alone, 100%, he was the second best uh, defensive tackle in the league. But, I mean, I don't think that that should overshadow everything that Chris Jones, DeForest Buckner, and uh, Cam Hayward have done consistently over the course of their career. But I will still have him in that top five range. I just don't know if I would go as far as number two. All right, let's go ahead and look at off-the-ball linebackers. Here is who... ESPN put in their top 10. Number one, Darius Leonard. Two, Michael Parsons. Three, Fred Warner. Four, Devin White. Five, Roquan Smith. Six, Demario Davis. Seven, Tremaine Edmonds. Eight, Bobby Wagner. Nine, Levante David. And 10, Jordan Brooks. This was a bit of a shock to me to see Bobby Wagner at eight. Not that his play hasn't declined slightly, but to me, he's still a top five talent. But Ethan, what do you think? I think at worst I go six or seven. Yeah, because um, like I said, I mean the you look at the guys like uh sorry my brain is farted. Uh Darius Leonard makes sense. Fred Warner, I can live with that. Devin White, sure, I can live with that. Roquan Smith is another one who I'm like, okay, I can live with that too. But Tremaine Edmonds. I can say that Michael Parsons was terrific last year, but it's still just one year. I got to see more from you before I'm looking at you as the second best linebacker, kind of when we were talking about Jamar Chase being seen as the third best receiver in the league. So at this very moment, I couldn't put Micah over Bobby just looking at year. If we look at last year, sure. But if we look at the overall work, I got to go Bobby. I don't think Bobby should be eight. All right, last one. Let's talk about cornerbacks. And I think that you and I both agree that the cornerback list may be the one that we have the most beef with. Number one, which isn't really a surprise, uh, Jalen Ramsey. Two, Marshawn Lattimore. Three, Jair Alexander. Four, Xavier Howard. Five, J.C. Jackson. Six, Denzel Ward. Seven, Pat Sertan. Eight, Marlon Humphrey. Nine, A.J. Terrell. And ten, Trayvon Diggs. Not going to lie, this list, I mean, cornerback is one of the tougher ones to rate, but I don't think that 
Darius Slay should have been kicked out of the top 10. I think that he and Tredavious White are the biggest snubs of that list. But in your opinion, where does Darius Slay rank among the league's top 10 corners? Well, top corners. Yeah, Trayvon Diggs would not be a 10. Right. Yeah. Um, I'd also have um, to knock out Pat Sartan too. Yeah. But if he balls out next year, cool, I will give him his flowers. But yeah, no, nah, I think that Tredavious and Darius should definitely be in that top 10. I mean, AJ Terrell, he's like fringe top 10, but I admittedly, I take him over Trayvon Diggs. And pass our tan between him and pass our tan, it's, it's a bit of a toss up. But all right, let's go ahead and look at some more interesting ratings as we do every year. We are going to fix five of the worst release Madden ratings. Now, as we all know, um, we're filming, recording this on July 21st, so not all the ratings are officially out yet, but that does not mean that they are all good from what we saw. So Ethan, we going back and forth with the ratings. If you want, I can send you the uh, link to them. It's definitely All right. All right, bet. So I will get us kicked off while I send this. Uh, starting at number five, we're going to look at safeties. More specifically, Micah Hyde, who was listed as a 91 overall, which I believe I know puts him in the top 10 possibly top seven. For me, I would bring him down a bit. I would put him at an 88. No disrespect to Micah Hyde. I think Micah Hyde is one of the better safeties in the league for sure. But just in terms of intangibles, just in terms of doing it all, I think that he kind of lacks some of that. He lacks, not, I'm trying to think of the right word. He lacks that playmaking that you want out of an every down safety. And while it does lead to him being a really productive starter in real life in the game, I mean, there are just so many other players who are so much more explosive. And so because of that, it'd be a hard no for me to keep him at a keep him at number five. You want me to get my four while you look at the list? Okay. That's fair. That's fair. By the way, I looked at it. Micah Hyde is the 10th ranked safety, which is eh, still a bit high. All right. Next up, this is, you know what? This is my bias coming out, but also fact supported. Justin Tucker being a 90. If you were going to give any picker a 99, it would be Justin Tucker. Boost this man up. If, even if you don't want to give him a 99, give him a 98. Give him a 90, a high 90, but a 90 is really disrespectful at this point. All right. 
Yeah, I'm actually in total agreement with you. That was actually my third one, so I'm gonna not use that one. All right, this one kind of hurts my heart to do, but Tyron Matthew is a 94. I don't have my issue is not that he's a 94; it's that he's the highest ranked safety in the game. I think that's a bit. I think that's a bit much. Love him though, but realistically, I don't think he's the top safety in the game. I think he'd probably realistically, I think he'd probably be more of a 92. I'm still happy for him though, and I love him, but I, I think it's a bit. I think it's a bit unrealistic. Mm-hmm. He's right there. He's a 98. Y'all could bump him up one more overall. Your guess is as good as mine. I'm not even a Jalen Ramsey fan. All right, number two, somebody else who should be a 99, TJ Watt. I, do, I don't understand it. I don't get how this man is not a 99. I believe he's a 96, which is respectable. But let's not just sit here and act like he wasn't the best defensive player in the league last year. Like, I get it. Miles Garrett easily passes the eye test. He's so explosive, so athletic. But there is no way you're going to sit here and tell me he deserves a 99, but TJ Watt doesn't. Oh, I can look. I know he's a high 90. He's the third running. Actually, no, he has to be lower than 96 because Nick Chubb is the second and he's a 96. Let me look it up. Jonathan Taylor is a he is a 95. All right, bet. And then my number one, it's obviously Jamar Chase being a 80 freaking seven. Like, come on now. It's one thing for ESPN and like NFL execs and coaches to rank Jamar Chase like top three wide receiver. I may not believe that. But in a freaking video game, you're going to sit here and tell me that Amari Cooper is a better video game wide receiver than Jamar Chase. There's no way. Like at 87, like if you want to put him at a 93 or above, that would be perfect. Not saying he has to be the highest rated wide out. Not even saying he had to be top five, but at 80 freaking seven. He was 84 as a rookie. So at this point, it's just really disrespectful.
I'm sorry to, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but controversial opinion, Najee Harris is an 85. I wouldn't have Najee ranked lower than Ezekiel Elliott. That's fair. What would you have him on? Realistically, I can see like a 95. He'd be a 99. That's very true. But all right, let's go ahead and play our game of believable or buffoonery before we head to NBA discussions. Let's start things off with former Saints coach Sean Payton, who his name, despite announcing his retirement a few months back, has still been brought up quite a bit in coaching circles, so much so that actually new reports have linked him to the Dolphins, Chargers, and Cowboys ahead of the 2023 season. So believable or buffoonery, Sean Payne will make his return to the sideline next season because I, I find it believable. I think it's going to be Cowboys. I think that it would just make too much sense. I don't think that they're really sold on Mike McCarthy. And if they really think that Sean Payton is going to come back, let's be honest, the Cowboys not going to win a Super Bowl, and that would be reason enough to go ahead – Fire McCarthy, have the it just makes a lot of sense. All right, let's go ahead. Uh, let's talk about quarterback Kirk Cousins, who former teammate uh Ben Leber really went in on the relationship between Mike Zimmer and Cousins and said about Cousins, I think he's going to thrive, really thrive in a system and a coach that actually respects him. I mean, it's not like I'm breaking news here that Mike Zimmer did not like Kirk Cousins. I think that they I think that it showed in the way that Kirk behaved and the way that he carried himself. The team was never given to him or he was allowed to earn the trust of the team because the head coach, I think, just didn't like him. So I think that Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach, he was the offense coordinator for the Rams. I think he has a chance to do big things in that offense. So believable or funnery, Kirk Cousins is bound to have a breakout year this season in a new system. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's just kind of been that weird thing of like, it's it's been so many reports of like the Vikings trying to get rid of Kirk Cousins or move on. And then they sign him to an extension as a no trade clause. Like it's, I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to leave at least for another year or two. But I do think that Kevin O'Connell's offense will help him show more. But I still don't think it's going to be enough for people to be like, oh, Kirk Cousins is a top 10 quarterback. Like, I think he'll be fine. I think, if anything, I think that Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson are going to benefit the most from it. But Kirk Cousins specifically, no, not necessarily. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA. Let's talk about some interesting news coming out of D.C. After last week, you and I talked about it. Bradley Bill made his comments felt about how much it would mean to him to win in Washington. And it seems like Washington is actually going to try to go for broke and make that happen. Reports are coming out from several sources that um, the Wizards are a team to keep an eye on in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. Uh, reported by Sam Amico, who said Durant is a DC product too. He may not be upset about playing at home alongside Bradley Beal. So let's just say in some parallel universe, the Washington Wizards actually do pull off a trade for Kevin Durant and they don't have to trade Bradley Beal in the process, which I don't know how that's going to work because they don't really have any other pieces to put in for. But how do you think a Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal duo would fare in today's NBA? Yeah, not with their current roster. I think that they still need a lot more help than just giving Kevin Durant. It 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 doesn't just stop there. But I I agree. I do think they'd be a playoff team. Um, dang. As much as I hate to say it, in the past couple of years, Bradley Beal hasn't shown to be much healthier than Kyrie has been over the last year or so. So it's like, I think Bradley Beal will play a lot more games than Kyrie did. But even still, I think that there's a lot more work to do before we seriously look at Washington as a contender. But speaking of a team that's not much of a contender, the San Antonio Spurs may not be playing for much, but hey, at least Keldon Johnson got the bag, signed a four-year, $80 million contract extension so congratulations to them uh jamichael green former uh forward for the denver nuggets is looking for a new home and after clearing waivers there's a belief that he will be signing with the golden state warriors which will be pretty interesting and finally after matching his offer sheet from the indiana pacers uh, the Phoenix Suns have officially brought back DeAndre Ayton on a four-year, $133 million deal, which DeAndre Ayton, after signing, uh, said publicly, Phoenix, I grew up here, got drafted here, had my son here. We have the best fans in the world. I'm ready to get back to work with my brothers, with the lock emoji. That's cute and all, but I'm not buying it. I don't think DeAndre Ayton and the Phoenix Suns are going to live happily ever after. I honestly wouldn't be shocked if he gets traded in a year or two. What do you think?
Say so he stays all four years. That'd be interesting. I think that you made a really good point with regards to it being a lot of smoke because let's be honest, if they really didn't care about bringing him back, as you mentioned, he wouldn't, he would have lasted on that offer sheet that, or let me phrase that, the offer sheet would have been remained unsigned for a lot longer than it did. I mean, it seemed like Woe reported that he had signed it with Indiana and then shortly thereafter, you see that Phoenix retorted. So with regards to that, I think that that is a really good point. Um, and I think that, hey, I mean, especially looking at what Phoenix did this offseason, or at least what they didn't do, they really didn't make any efforts to replace him. They, you never really heard them about, you know, looking at any free agent big men, really having in the draft the few picks that they had. They didn't really try to prioritize a big man. So it didn't seem like they were that gung-ho about losing DeAndre Aiden to begin with. Like I said, I'm still not sold on it being happily ever after. I do think that eventually they are going to be headed towards a divorce but I think for the time being, it does show that if you are the Phoenix Suns, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why get rid of something that's working so well, or at least well enough to get you guys to the NBA Finals, to a deep playoff run? So I think that it makes a lot of sense that they did bring him back. And I think that he will be productive. I just don't think it's going to last forever. But all right, let's go ahead and play our game of believable or buffoonery. And it's, we're going to start off with, both of our favorite players in a bit of a two-parter, James Harden, who <laughs> had some interesting comments after signing his uh, contract extension with the Philadelphia 76ers. So first, let's talk about his contract. On taking a pay cut, he said, I told Daryl Murley, our GM, to approve the roster, sign who we needed to sign and give me whatever is left over. This is how bad I want to win. I want to compete for a championship. That's all that matters to me at this stage. So believable or buffoonery, James Harden in these next two years will win a ring with the 76ers. I'm calling buffoonery.
I'm gonna guess you meant Golden State instead of OKC, but I I get what you're saying. Yeah, the reason I'm saying buffoonery is because I think that while it is great that it seems like James Harden is taking things seriously, like you mentioned, he's not the James Harden who was a matchup nightmare in Houston. He's not the guy who can really take over a game like that anymore. I mean, injuries, the thing about injuries is once you start getting them, it's hard to stop. It seems like once you start, you're going to start getting all these nagging injuries, and it's about how you recover. And it's not just necessarily about his play. There was questions about him and Doc Rivers, if they'd be able to get along. What role is he really going to be fitting into this new team? I'm not new team, but in this upcoming year, because now he won't have the same excuses. He's not coming in midway through the year. He's gotten an opportunity to really learn Noel, learn Doc, learn the rest of his teammates, and try to go from there, which is great. But still, like I mentioned, he's not the same James Harden that we that was an MVP caliber player. And then that's not even factoring in the playoffs when it seems time and time again, he just disappears. It's great and it is fine if you can ball out in the regular season, but one of the biggest issues with James Harden, which I think plays into why he does not get as much respect as he does, is because he disappears in the playoffs. And last year it was the most evident because James Joel and B was unhealthy and James Harden could not help will his team over the heat. And I'm not saying it's all on James Harden, but he made a lot of silly mistakes. He did a lot of things that really cost him games that should not have happened. 
And so the biggest reason why I'm saying buffoonery is because I think that, yes, we're seeing a new James Harden. We shouldn't expect as much from him offensively. But until he proves me wrong as far as, like, the player he is in the postseason, I have a hard time taking him seriously. And we've seen this song and dance again of Joel being the best player in Philly, but they can't, he can't do it alone. And until James Harden really steps up, especially when it matters the most, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I don't see it happening. But continuing on our James Harden discussion, he also talked about this past season where he took out to blast his quote-unquote haters where he said, I wasn't right last season. I still averaged a trip, almost averaged a triple-double. If anybody else had those numbers, we'd be talking about them getting the max. Last season, he did average 21 points per game, uh, 10 and a half rebounds, and shot 40% from the field. So he played solid, and as you mentioned, he was dealing with a hamstring issue. So believable or buffoonery, James Harden deserves more respect. Yeah, and until that happens, I'm agreeing with you in terms of buffoonery. Not saying he's not still productive. Sure, he's productive, but let's be honest. Low-key, anybody can get a max this year. Like, no offense to Darius Garland, but I wouldn't give Darius Garland a max, and he got a max. In terms of what we've seen from Zion Williamson, like I said, just from what we've seen so far and how inconsistent he has been, I don't know if I would give him a rookie max. Like, yes, the potential is there, but in terms of overall production in these past, what, three, four years, I wouldn't give him a max. So I wouldn't, if I'm James Harden, I wouldn't exactly throw the word max contract out to try to prove your point. Because let's be honest, you people getting money in those contracts based off of potential. And your numbers are great, but basketball contracts, getting big money in those are much different than NFL or baseball contracts. You really got to earn it. Not saying NBA players don't earn that money, but you get what I'm saying. It's much easier to make a hundred plus mil in basketball than any other sport. So no, I don't think that that's a, I don't think that statement helped his argument. And then, like I said, like his play just has to do the talking. But all right, speaking of play doing the talking, the Lakers play last season. The few times the quote unquote big three were on the court. May have talked, but it was not exactly soothing sounds. However, it seems that the group is still determined to stay together. Reportedly, LeBron, AD, and Russell Westbrook huddled for a phone conversation to confirm their commitment to each other through the uncertainty. So, believable or buffoonery, the Lakers' big three will still be together by the time the season opener rolls around.
Yeah, I say believable too. I mean, I LeBron wasn't going nowhere. AD wasn't really going anywhere. The only piece that would be moving would have been Russ. And I mean, let's be honest. We talk about the market not being that great for Kyrie. It's less of a market for Russ. So, yeah, no, I, I, they're all going to be together. All right, so now this was an interesting take uh, via Twitter. Uh, has to, I mean, un, user uh, Raheem underscore Heem tweeted out, D-Rose ranks higher all time than Lillard. Don't get it twisted. I don't get me wrong. D-Rose was a bad, bad man in his day. That MVP season was amazing. But... I, th- I think I'd have to go buffoonery just because, yeah, he has the MVP and that's great. But after those injuries started piling up, Derrick Rose never became that same player. And I know in terms of accolades, Damian Lillard doesn't even have an MVP, but I think he still means more to the, to the Trailblazers than Derrick Rose did after that season. So I'm going to say buffoonery. It is because it's like D Rose in his day was a bad man. Like he looked like he could have been hands down the top 10 all time point guard had he stayed on his trajectory. So it's hard. In the grand scheme of the right. league. That's right. It's just tough because that was what a two, three year span where D Rose was balling. Now, if we're like talking at their peaks, is D Rose not even close? But it's like it's just it's just hard because it's like D Rose is like his star burnt out so quickly, and that's why it's like I have a hard because I use this argument for other people's.
yes, but not more productive than Dame. Like after, I think after. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. It's it's hard. I I think I would still go Dame, but I do understand where you're coming from cuz I mean, yes, D-Rose did have to evolve his game, but it's still like he was never he never gotten a conversation of like a top 10 point guard in the league he was serviceable and he was fine but it just never it just never was the same like we never talked talk about Damian Lillard as a top the league's top point guard never do but I would say at least for the past five to seven years he's consistently been in the top five conversation so then it so then it begs the question would you rather have a guy who at least for a couple years, was number one, or at worst, maybe three, for a couple years, or somebody who's consistently in the top five. And that's that's a hard that's a hard argument to make, but I think I would still go the route of consistency because, yes, peak D-Rose was better, but if I look at head-to-head, I think I'd still have to go. I think I'd go Dane. But D-Rose, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. 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 No, 100%. D Rose was amazing. And I think it's kind of like not, they're not exactly the same, but kind of comparing him to like what happened with RG3. RG3 was coming off rookie of the year, looked like the next explosive quarterback. But injuries just kept happening and kept bogging him down. And so we don't know how far RG3 could have gone because he couldn't stay healthy because there were times when he looked like the most explosive guy in the league. But unfortunately, injury shut that down. It's the same thing with Derrick Rose, which I think that I think every generation has like that star player who gets hurt. And it's always that big what if. And I think for our generation, it's going to be D Rose. But don't get no mistakes. The kids may not know it now, but Derrick Rose was a bad, bad man. But all right, so let's close this bad boy out with a would you rather question. And let's be honest, Kevin Durant, I think KD's is going to end up having to stay in uh, Brooklyn. But it's still fun to talk about him possibly being moved. Same for uh, Donovan Mitchell, I think it's more likely that he leaves. However, an interesting conversation point brought up by uh, Fox Sports 1's Rick Butker, who said, I'd rather have two years of Kevin Durant than four years of Donovan Mitchell, which got me to thinking which one I'd rather have. So, Ethan, would you rather have two years of KD or four years of Spider? Yeah, it's yeah, I feel that. Um let's let's say our let's say our favorite teams. Let's say our favorite teams. Yeah. I would say 
And if we're talking my favorite team at this moment, I think it would just make sense for KD just because, I mean, this, the championship window is closing. Like, I, even if LeBron does not retire within the next couple of years, he's going to leave to go play with Bronny, wherever Bronny goes. And then AD, I'm not sold on him being the standard bearer for LA once LeBron leaves. So it makes the most sense to say KD in terms of a championship. But if I'm looking towards the future, I would go Spider. But all right, let's say if you're a team like the Heat, would you say Spider still? Because I would. That's fair. I think it really – how you answer that question, it really just comes down to what team you're talking about and what position they're in. Because a team like the Celtics can be a bit more patient, whereas the Heat – Bam Adebayo is still in his mid-20s, but Jimmy Butler is 30 or getting close to 30. He's not going to keep being that same guy, same for the Lakers, their agent. So it really just depends what you're looking for. But, yeah, personally, I would take Spider over – Katie, but it just depends on your poison. But that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow X Report writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan, you got anything you want to say before we close this out? Yep. Uh, let's see. Preseason, the Hall of Fame game is August 4th. I'm so excited for that game. And well, just the preseason in general. And then uh, regular season rolls around, I think, what, the 10th or 11th of September? I know college season starts on the 3rd. I'm I'm excited. I'm so excited. All right. Also, fantasy football uh, draft. That'll be coming up soon. We will have our fantasy football uh, layout, all that good stuff. Ethan, let's say you got the number one pick in fantasy football. Who would you pick? I know. I know, because I'm trying to think, because our draft is coming up soon, and I'm, I'm trying to – not saying I'm going to steal your answer, because I have mine, but it's hard. Oh, Jonathan Taylor, dang, those running backs are good. Because running backs, they're in fantasy, they're tough to come by. Okay. Dang, Jonathan Taylor's a really good answer. Okay, not to copy you, because I'm not. I'ma say, I'ma say Justin Jefferson, because he publicly said, like Kevin in Kevin O'Connell's offense, he's gonna play the Cooper Cup role, and Cooper Cup is coming off a triple crown. And in terms of like overall talent, I think Justin Jefferson's better. So if he really does step into that role, it's no telling what Jay Jettis can do, especially if he stays healthy. So I'd go Jay Jettis. But we'll have more of our fantasy football insight in the coming weeks. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.